PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we switch it up on board studying. I'm Ilfat Hussein, joined by Dr. Blake Briggs. For each 10 to 15 minute episode, we give you high yield board knowledge. We like to say come for the stems, uh, but stay for the content. You can sign up on our website for free updates, episodes, and sign up for our newsletter as well. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at EM Board Bombs. Hey, Dr. Briggs, are you ready for the topic? Yeah, I just worked out at the gym, took some steroids, and I think that's relevant to today's topic. Oh, I think I think you might be giving away some of what we're doing right now. Right? <laughs> so, the stem, a 47-year-old male presents to the ED from home after he was found locked in his attic. He was lethargic and unresponsive. A neighbor hadn't seen the patient for a few days. The last time the neighbor saw the patient, he was told by them they weren't feeling well, and they were going to go Netflix and chill. You said, don't worry about it. Which of the following is true? A, in adults with septic shock, unresponsive to fluid therapy, IV glucocorticoids have been shown to substantially reduce mortality. B, IV steroids should be given prior to antibiotics in those with suspected meningococcemia. C, steroid taper is preferred for those discharged after COPD exacerbation. D, Steroids in pediatric meningitis have been shown to reduce neurologic complications. E, the risk of adverse effects for steroids does not appear to be significant if therapy is less than 30 days. The correct answer here is, drumroll, D, steroids in pediatric meningitis have been shown to reduce neurologic complications. Hmm. Let's do this. Hmm. So first of all, here's a shout out to uh, Gamer1234321234321 <laughs> for the... I mean, that is, that is the full... <laughs> that is the full, full name. We're not making that up. He or she wanted us to go over some steroids and septic shock in general, but you know what? I thought steroids and septic shock is controversial, and we're going to cover it just in a brief liner, but why not broaden this out to, um, you know, when we should give IV steroids on, on the boards and in real life? And so I think it's going to be a great topic today. I'm actually really excited about this. So to all of our listeners out there, especially uh, Gamer, I'm not going to repeat all those numbers again. The bottom line is steroids and sepsis are low yield for boards because they're so controversial. But IV steroids used in pretty much every other health condition are hot topics. Um, And and you got to know these when IV steroids are indicated uh, because that's what is going to be on the boards. You know, what is the evidence behind multiple conditions that we give IV steroids from? So I think today is a perfect review from that. So Dr. Hussain, let's quickly start off with your favorite topic. Um, Side effects of steroids are pretty nasty. It's pretty awful. They can happen at any dose, by the way. So that was choice E. Choice E said that, hey, the risk of adverse effects from steroids doesn't appear to be significant um, if the therapy is less than 30 days. This is completely false. Uh, Recent studies have shown pretty much any dose um, of steroids, um, but usually much higher than 10 milligrams um, a dose. So if you're giving steroid burst for a short time, um, the steroid side effects are both related to dose dependency and duration dependency. And so studies have clearly shown you have you can have a high risk of adverse effects from steroids um, in less than 30 days of steroid therapy. So let's remember a mnemonic here that I came up with a few years ago. Um, the mnemonic's called cortisol all caps. 
and each one of these letters corresponds to the main side effects. The first two letters, CO, they stand for central obesity. R in cortisol is going to be resistance to insulin. T in cortisol will be triglyceridemia, so the higher level of fats floating around, which predispose you to atherosclerosis and clotting disorders. The I in cortisol will be increased blood pressure. And the S is striae. So remember those abdominal striae and bruising? So you're going to get all those skin changes with steroids. And then the O will be osteoporosis, which we all know. And L will be loss of muscle. So the most common side effect, if you're going to give someone steroids, will be skin thinning and ecchymoses. So bruising, abdominal striae, and just thin skin with inflammation. That'll be the most common side effect across the board. The other side effects that we didn't really talk about in, in this mnemonic here, but they can happen, just to note that they do happen, cataracts, glaucomas, premature atherosclerosis, which is kind of related to the increased blood pressure, insulin resistance, triglyceridemia stuff. And then, of course, mood disorders, uh, which I think you know most EM docs have seen related issues with people on high-dose steroids coming in. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, or the, bi bi or the bison in the room. <laughs> <laughs> septic shock so septic shock glucocorticoid therapy there was a recent study that just came out and um shout out to rebel em for fantastic posting of this um as well as journal and my boy my boy salim Razai. shout out to him all right shout out let's, shout let's out. everybody get his name right too okay <laughs> all right so all right. rebel em as well as journal fee they recently resulted in kind of the new studies which have shown back from september 2018 that glucocorticoid therapy should be managed as more of a case-by-case -case basis in patients with refractory shock. Refractory shock meaning a blood pressure less than 90 millimeters mercury, of course, for more than one hour following both adequate fluid resuscitation and vasopressor. So basically what we're saying is here, hey, we've done multiple randomized controlled trials, multiple meta-analyses, and they've shown that glucocorticoids do, in fact, can lead to a faster resolution of shock. However, however... There is minimal to no effect on mortality. So if using it, you should only be using hydrocortisone. And again, you should only be doing this after fluids, after vasopressors. This is a third-line option. This is not what you should be giving your adult patients with septic shock. And you haven't even tried vasopressors yet. So hydrocortisone should be delivered as a bolus or an infusion. It was shown in the studies to be more likely than placebo and methylprednisone to result in shock reversal. Shock reversal, of course, meaning um, recovery in blood pressure. It did not show any 30-day mortality benefit. That's, that's all we're going to say about this, that boards are not going to touch this. It is not going to be the first-line answer on a board test when you have a patient in septic shock. You need to do fluids and vasopressors first. Does that make sense, Dr. Hussain? Got it. That was interesting, wasn't it? That's pretty cool. I think that is, yeah, because we tend to be, um, I think there's some folks that are very aggressive with giving steroids and folks that are in septic shock, other folks who are not as aggressive. Uh, the only caveat to this would be if you have a patient with a known history of taking uh, steroids or they're on, you know, them for some sort of immunomodulation, then then you would, you know, jump to this a lot sooner. You know that that could actually help them a lot and they need stress those steroids, so... Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a good caveat. This does not include people that are post-op from surgery that come to the ED. And that would be a whole different story, of course. These are undifferentiated, uh, non-steroid dependent patients. That's a great point, Dr. Hussain. Thank you. Thank you so much for your contributions.
Um, that is what I'm here for. Yeah. yeah. That's, just, that's attending level stuff right there. You know, yep. just randomly throw things out there yeah. that won't probably change uh, how a patient is treated in the ER. So <laughs> let's review IV steroids and what else they should be used for. So you remember this on board. So after you're saying, I think you're going to love this. I think it's going to really perk your mood up here. Um, so, so I this really is, hope so. <laughs> This is what... And I, I painstakingly, Dr. Hussain, painstakingly went through, because no one I think has done this. There is a list right here of all these conditions that, you know, we don't really talk about often that, hey, do we give IV steroids or not? And the, the conditions we're about to give you are pretty much verified that this is when you actually should be giving IV steroids. So MS, it's acerbations, multiple sclerosis. Um, this is pretty well established. You should be giving um, IV steroids. It does reduce disability at 28 days, as well as readmission to the hospital. You can do methylprednisone or prednisone. Temporal arteritis is next. I think we all know this one. This is always going to be IV steroids. This is well established in preventing irreversible, horrible vision loss. COPD, yeah. asthma, exacerbations. Another thing that ER docs are well-versed on, there is so much good evidence showing how good they are. Um, they decrease hospital stay. They improve lung function and symptoms. They reduce the treatment failure risk by like half, um, and they even reduce relapse risk at one month. They are fantastic. Meningitis, this is where it gets a little tricky. So meningitis steroids is another complicated area uh, in emergency medicine and on boards. When we're talking about meningitis steroids, we're talking about dexamethasone. Really... To summarize everything right here in one line, or just you have to memorize this line, and then we'll go into detail further. Steroids have only been shown to be indicated in patients with strep pneumonia. The strep illuminati. (laughs) Steroids have only been shown to be helpful in strep pneumo, and only before antibiotics. So very select cases, right? When are you ever going to know strep pneumomeningitis is causing this yeah. guy's presentation? We even know. It, it we don't even know. It has a certain smell to it. It is not meningococcemia, which is com- which is like counterintuitive because I think if anybody thinks, oh, that's the worst right. one, you have yeah. to give steroids for it. You don't give steroids for meningococcemia. That's clearly not shown. So let's summarize a little bit further here. Adults in the developed world, meaning that TB is not suspected really here, or fungus. You have suspected or proven pneumococcus. Therefore, you should give steroids in all patients and you discontinue if it's proven not to be pneumococcus. In children, you only give steroids if it's H flu. And that's because it reduces hearing loss. You should be given that prior to or with antibiotics. And there's this whole debate here that I just want to mention a one-liner on because someone's going to be writing us about it as a question. Um, Oh, hey, doesn't steroids, don't they prevent antibiotic pr- uh, penetration into the CSF like vancomycin. This is controversial. We don't know. No one knows. It's not on boards. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I like it. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Severe ITP. So ITP, remember in kids and adults, mostly in kids. Severe meaning, of course, having nosebleeds that are difficult to control or moderate bleeding, hemarthroses, that kind of thing, or a platelet count usually like less than like 30,000 to 10,000. You're going to give uh, dexamethasone or prednisone. They raise the platelet count in like two-thirds of the patients. It's fantastic. With most patients, they respond in like two to five days. So most of the time, ITP, you don't even treat any of it. You just watch it for like a few weeks. And then when you have to treat it, steroids typically. And then rarely do you have to ramp up giving platelets and IVIG and then, you know, further discussion for admission. So prednisone, dexamethasone, entry-level treatment for ITP does very well. Thyrotoxicosis, this doesn't need really any introduction. This is always going to need IV hydrocortisone. That's really about it for that. Last one, last but not least, PCP pneumonia. If there is clear evidence 
of hypoxemia. We all remember this from med school. That's when you give steroids. Dr. Hussein, you want to quickly recite that? <sighs> so, PCP pneumonia. If... <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> You're like that attending that I worked with in med school. I was uh, on my way rotation. I remember I had like a chest pain patient to present. And you know, as a med student, of course, you're excited. I present this chest pain patient. I've worked up. I've spent, you know, a whole time writing my little <laughs> mnemonics and everything. I walk up to the attending. And the attending's like, you got two minutes. LSU's about to score. <laughs> and he has this iPhone. His iPhone is propped up in, like, under his dragon mic. So, PCP pneumonia. If there's obvious evidence of hypoxia or the blood gas shows a partial pressure less than 70 and or a radiant greater than 35, this is going to be your HIV patient who comes in and their SATs are low. Uh, that's that patient that you're going to think about oral steroids. But if they're MPO, you know, you can give them IV steroids. Yeah, exactly. I think that's about it for this. So just remember, this is kind of a, remember, a guide here for what we do for IV steroids. And reminding you in your brain, when you have an answer choice with these patient presentations, this is when these are going to be the right answers. This is going to be in your top first three steps of usually managing most of these patients. Yeah, and it's a different way to look at the board question itself. So oftentimes people will look at the answer choice before they read the full question. So if you see an answer choice saying IV steroids, really think about these topics that Blake mentioned. Absolutely. Another board bomb has been delivered, although I will call this a board bomb plus. Ooh. Because I feel like we not only hit on sepsis, steroids, but we also went into a little bit more detail about how you would be presented with administering IV steroids if that was truly an answer choice. So I'm going to add that plus there, kind of like the iPhone plus. We delivered a little bit of extra content. Remember to sign up on our website, emboardbombs.com, for future episodes. It's free. You can sign up and also get onto our newsletter so that you know exactly when a new podcast is coming out. If you'd like to debate us, uh, yell at us, or troll us, really, you can throw <laughs> us a, a tweet at EM Board Bombs. Uh, we will read it, um, and we'll probably laugh, especially if you do decide to troll us. That would be funny. Um, drop us an Apple review on our iTunes. And also, please subscribe to us on iTunes via the podcast app. Uh, we appreciate that because we can track the metrics really well. Uh, drop us a review there. We do appreciate those reviews because it allows us to uh, come out with future questions, topics, and in general makes us feel loved, right? Once and appreciated. And appreciated. Kind of like I feel when you're paying attention to me talking on a podcast. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Stop being salty. This is not a topic I like, all right? Anyways, moving on. Hey, see you next time. See you next time. Peace. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.